Whether you're taking a rip down the lease road in your jacked-up truck or flying first class to Houston, Texas, it's time to sit back and relax for another exciting episode of Oil & Gas Onshore. This episode is brought to you by Tendeka, a global specialist in advanced completions and production solutions for the oil and gas industry. And now, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host, Justin Gautier. Welcome to this week's episode. We're here in downtown Denver with Sarah Dardowski, Executive Director for University of Colorado Denver's Global Energy Management Program. Sarah, how are you doing today? Doing great. How are you, Justin? I'm doing fantastic. It was a breath of fresh air. I got off the plane. It was sunny. I'm from Calgary, so the crisp, dry air with the clouds and and the sunshine in the mountains, it's always, whenever I come to Denver, it always reminds me of going back home a little bit. Plus, I lived here for about a year in 2013, so it brings back memories, but love the weather, the people, everything about Denver is nice. So yeah, it's been good so far. I can't complain. Nice. Well, welcome back. Thank you very much. Before we get going, I want to send a special thanks to Catherine Mills. She helped line this up and she's hilarious. She put together like an official itinerary for me. And, you know, the purpose for me here is to conduct business, you know, with AES drilling fluids and on my free time, try and make the most of it. And so she's like, well, tell me what your free time is. And all of a sudden she sends me this spreadsheet of, of exactly who and what and when. And I was like, holy cow, like it was very, very nice. So Catherine, if you're listening, I really appreciate it. You knocked it out of the park. So making every minute count. I would agree. And just a shout out for her podcast. If you guys haven't listened to it, it's the Crude Audacity podcast. So she does a fantastic job there. And yeah, just gonna be a mover and shaker. Perfect. Well, I appreciate you putting that plug in there. I had it in my notes too. So <laughs> yeah, everyone out there, give it a listen. And if you could like it, leave a review and share it. Much as you can, that would certainly help. This episode is brought to you in part by Hillman Reed Premium Men's Care and Beard Essentials. Visit HillmanReed.com for all your skin and, and beard needs. This also is brought to you by OGGN's travel sponsor, BCD Travel. BCD provides solutions for every business travel program. Visit BCDTravel.com for more details. And I mentioned reviews. If you'd like to support the show, please subscribe and do me a huge favor. Take a few minutes and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening to. Any feedback is welcome and appreciated. Good or bad. Or if you even feel like you have a great story or idea for a show, or if you simply have any questions for me or one of my guests, hit me up on LinkedIn. So let's kick this thing off. So I'm actually kind of ashamed because I admit that I actually looked into taking the GEM program, which is global energy management, and end up shying away from it when I realized I would need to take some exams and just the whole <laughs> school portion of it kind of scared me. So this would be this is a good refresher for me and and maybe you know it'll kind of remind me of getting back into it, but it was probably 2014 and I forget who I dealt with, but I went through a lot of just sort of the preliminary stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I, I kind of was, when she mentioned coming in here, I was like, oh, I'm that guy. Started <laughs> it and then bailed out. And But you never know. It's There's opportunity there. But more about you. So tell us a little bit about your journey, You know, whether it be in oil and gas or in education, yeah. leading you up to where you're at now. Well, I will say it's nice to hear a pl- friendly Canadian voice on the other side. I actually started my kind of energy journey, if you will, the Canadian consulate here in nice. town. So it was kind of my first foray into energy. They basically do research on beef and oil. Hmm. And so started there with a master's in international administration and political economy. So did trade research there for a while. And then this program was getting started. The dean had approached a lot of energy companies and they said, hey, we need a lot of training for our workforce. This big crew change is coming. And that was in 07, 08. And I was wrapping up my trade experience with the consulate. And so they had a lot of Canadian firms who invested in getting this education started. And so I said, sure, I can do that. 
Hmm. I know nothing about education, um, <laughs> right. a little bit about energy. And so I did. I made that jump over as the first employee for the program. So it's been fantastic to see it kind of grow and change over the years. And so I've just kind of grown my career and my background in energy organically. So it's been a wild ride, basically from 08 to where we are in 2019. And so our program has always done all energies, and that's been really important. So we've started with a strong contingent of oil and gas, and our students are still a strong contingent of oil and gas, about 50%, but pretty reflective of the work p- workforce and the market mm-hmm. on where we are. Okay. So I kind of sensed, and I was actually going to ask you if you were Canadian, but where are you from originally? So believe it or not, I'm actually originally from Savannah, Georgia. Really? So I'm from the deep south, but spent a lot of time out here in Colorado, a good portion of my life, and then lived overseas for a while too. So okay. shook that Southern accent and basically developed a Midwest slash Canadian accent <laughs> yeah. um, just with all the folks that that I'm around all the time. So yeah. That's too funny. And, and you kind of mentioned it, but when a lot of folks think energy, and especially like myself and my peers, we think oil and gas, but yeah. energy is so much broader than that. And so I'm excited for you to talk a little bit more about that aspect of it. But we're here to describe and talk about global energy management. So why don't you go ahead and describe the program and what kind of value it brings to the folks out there looking to, you know, potentially go into it? Yeah, sure. And I would say just as to kind of get started is our program was designed from energy and that piece is the biggest because we really strive to provide value directly back to our students and to our companies. Mm-hmm. And so predominantly what we are is a business and leadership degree. So our average age student is 34 years old. So they're coming from all sectors of the energy industry. They might be working offshore right now. They might be working internationally in the sales or the finance side. And again, they're coming from all sectors because what we're truly doing here at the master's level are educating and creating those future leaders, right? Right. And so whether or not you started with an engineering degree and you've kind of moved up along the ranks, but you don't have that financial acumen you need to really take the next step, or you don't have those HR skills as now you're managing maybe three or four departments or you are starting your own team. What does that mean and how do I really do this? So that's what we do. And we do it in a way that's hybrid online, which means you get to keep your offshore schedule two weeks on, two weeks off, three months on, three months off, and you still get to finish the program. You still get to build your network, developing relationships with folks in person, which makes a big deal in the energy industry because it is a small community, of course. whether or not you're in oil and gas or in the broader sector. So making those in-person connections is, is really key. And then we use all faculty who are industry professionals. So okay. some of them have are still consulting with energy companies, but then perhaps they're teaching at other universities. So whether they're at Calgary, we actually have a gentleman, nice. chemical engineer who comes down from Calgary to, in to teach. We have folks who come in from Washington on the policy side to teach. We have folks who come in from Saudi actually to teach leadership. So they're coming from around the world to bring those perspectives, but they're also still really in tune to what's happening. Cool. So we're not a stagnant program that says this MBA core that we've taught for the past 20 years, it's going to be the same MBA core that somebody took, you know, 20 years ago. Absolutely not. Right. So that piece is really important for us. And so that hybrid model, four days in person, the rest of the nine weeks online. So people come into Denver quarterly, which isn't that bad. I mean, it's over a long weekend. And so we really try to do the bridge the best of both worlds when it comes to online education, as well as that kind of in-person connection. So it almost feels like an executive style. You come in for these mini conferences, right. but then back to your life and your jobs. Okay. So... 
the biggest question I have, and especially when I was looking into it, is when folks are, you know, in the industry, they're looking to take their career to the next yeah. level. They got a little bit of post-secondary education. Yeah. Maybe some don't, but but certainly some very skilled and good leaders in our industry. You know, you go on Google and, and you look at, you know, oil and gas school. Like yeah. a lot of it is information overload. And it certainly was for me. And how I stumbled on it was, I think, an advertisement on like whether it was like Facebook or something. So, okay. but how would you describe an ideal candidate or like mm-hmm. what would be a prerequisite or what what does that look like for people in the industry to realize oh that may be for me yeah no it's a great question and you know it's a hard answer actually because our students are so diverse okay i have folks who have bp level who never went back to get that formalized training and saying like hey i need to go back and not just check the box but get those skills that i lacked but then i also get those middle managers those folks who are saying I want to go to the next step or I'm kind of stuck in my position where maybe I've been in supply chain this whole time and I I want to get out of that. I want to look more into the commodity side or I'm an engineer and I don't want to just do engineering anymore, right? Mm -hmm. I kind of, I did that. I excelled that. I even got a master's in that. But now I want to kind of look to the larger business side and I want to kind of make that career shift and change. So that that's kind of an ideal candidate, the one who's looking to take the next step in general. And again, it can be either within their department or if they want to kind of take a leap out of their department and into a new field. Okay. So is there sort of a baseline as to prerequisites for your program? Yeah. You know, the biggest thing is we value industry experience and we want to honor that because we really think we are providing value that you're going to take back to your company while you're still working through the program. And so your, your baseline prerequisites is three to five years experience in the industry. And so what that three to five years guarantees you, or what we think it guarantees you, is experience in the industry. You've you've learned some lessons, Mm -hmm. (laughs) good and bad. You may have ridden a downturn, good or bad. And you understand maybe the trajectory of where you want to go and where you can add value or where your gaps are. So that piece is important. It also then exempts you from taking the GRE or GMAT at that point, because we know you're committed to industry, you've kind of seen the value of money coming in the door. Right. So those those are big steps. You have to have two letters of a reference, obviously solid letters of reference, and then obviously mandatory bachelors. Oftentimes, though, about twenty to thirty percent of our students already have another higher ed degree, and generally it's in engineering, geology, things like that. Okay. But yeah, so it's it's a pretty easy baseline to say like, hey, I'm in energy, and that's the big piece of it, is right. we want somebody who's committed to the industry. So maybe you're in oil and gas now, but you want to kind of hone your skills and see where this future goes, and what does that mean? So maybe where do my skills transfer to the utility side, or I'm curi- I'm energy curious is what I call it, and you want to figure out kind of what that means in the future. But really the baseline is experience and energy of three to five years. Okay, which, I mean, a lot of folks, and that's not hard to attain. I right. mean, even younger folks that, you know, start the oil and gas journey in their 20s, yeah. You know, it's not like they're out of school for 15 years, then all of a sudden have to go back in. And that was kind of my case, you know, but <laughs> so as, as time goes on, it kind of, you know, looks more and more in the reviewer. But for students that, you know, end up taking the leap, you know, doing the program, mm-hmm. what can they expect once they're done? I mean, can you give a, a case, not necessarily given names, yeah. but can you kind of give, a, give an idea of what students could possibly expect when they graduate? Sure. Well, I'll give a hard number first. And it's tough to measure this, but we've been pretty successful over the years because we have really active alumni, is 55% of our students upon graduation receive a promotion or salary increase. Very and cool. So that's fantastic, just kind of a tangible ROI for folks. Huge incentive. Yeah. And then I have so many stories and I actually can direct you to an I Believe campaign that we have where we highlight a lot of our alumni where you can see kind of where their journey has taken them upon graduation. So I have folks, for example, who are in oil and gas and then they went and joined a utility company with their new ventures programs, right? 
right? So they're helping develop what those new ventures look like. I have, well, I've had probably six or seven different examples of guys getting together and starting their own companies, Uh right? And so they've kind of partnered up based on their cohort when they got started. You know, hey, there's a landman, there's an engineer, there's somebody I trust, and Mm. we've been through the kind of battle together and started multiple companies. So it's kind of fantastic to see kind of how that works out and where people land. But, you know, the true value that I can tangibly say is that, you know, we give people a boost both in their career, either to get that promotion or also to kind of increase their salary. So those are the tangible takeaways for folks. But overall, I think the ones that are hard to measure are saying, how did I build out my network? I've now made it through three downturns because my my network grew, Mm -hmm. my my confidence, my skill set, all those things kind of grew and helped me kind of stay in industry. Very cool. And that's one thing I, I can surely attest to in, in folks that I know within the industry that have gone and done posts, you know, more schooling, whether it's with you guys or any sort of there, because I, I believe and correct me if I'm wrong, there's other programs out there that sort of are based around folks that have been in the industry to help progress themselves in their career. But one thing is so important is the networking aspect. Mm-hmm. And I interviewed some folks at or a gentleman at Rice University who's yeah. doing his MBA and just kind of asking him like what's what's been the biggest value for you mm-hmm. and he said this the networking ability and similarly with you guys i mean i i think that you know it is it goes a long ways and and there's a gentleman that i interviewed that recently graduated from montana tech mm-hmm. and it was basically during a downturn he had you know a canadian guy went to sate which is i yeah. did that as well which i'm sure you're familiar yeah. you probably have folks from there but and said yeah if it wasn't for me going and networking with people that i graduated from montana tech I would have never got the, an opportunity where I'm at now and he's in Houston doing very yeah. well. So so just the people you meet alone, it's not necessarily the tests and, you know, of course, concepts and, and the skill set is extremely valuable, but just the ability to network with people in the industry that otherwise you would never be able to associate with, I think is is extremely important. Yeah, and we say kind of once you enter into the gym family, because it is a small community, right? And so yeah. that's, you know, both the cohort that you start with, but it's also the larger gym community. And so that's your faculty who are now living and working all over the world that you have a great connection with that you spend a lot of time with and that's why that four-day in-person is so kind of critical for us but it's also for our student success as well because they really build those tight connections in those four days and they're seeing the same people every time they come back so you're not going into some online world where you disappear and you get to you know just be this online presence like you have to see these people again so if you don't show up in class online you see them again but it also builds the accountability, but it really builds out those strong network bonds for folks that they carry with them for years and years. Of course, of course. No, leveraging that network and the alumni, I think, is is yeah. definitely something people really need to consider when trying to take their careers to the next level. A question I had, and I'm sure the listeners out there are curious because it always comes up, and you don't have to say the exact number, but is is something like this a little more cost effective than trying to get like an MBA or going to back to university? Yeah. I mean, is there, is there people having to take out student loans or can you touch a little bit on that? Because I mean, there's a lot of folks that that's something that kind of steers people away sometimes. Yeah, well, it's a good question. And, you know, higher ed, everybody knows in the US is, <laughs> is expensive. It's not like yeah. Canada where some things are or covered and paid for. Yes. But I think it's an investment. And I will say 75% of our students pay out of pocket themselves. Okay. And then it, it there is tuition reimbursement from a lot of companies that are fully supportive of who and what we're doing, which yeah. is fantastic. But yeah, we're a little bit more cost effective. But the, also the thing is, is we're the same price for everybody. So as much as we're University of Colorado, we are in-state, out-of-state, everybody pays the same cost, which is huge. There's, you know, nobody's going to pay more if they're coming in from New York than if they're coming in from California or Texas. So that that piece is important. But when it comes to cost, you know, we are cheaper than a kind of MBA, 
when we look at, you know, our competitors and stuff out there. We are just kind of the middle, middle of the road when it comes to energy higher ed, which is important. But I think for us, we add a lot of value to our alumni as well mm-hmm. that kind of makes a little bit, you know, biting off a big kind of graduate degree costs important, which is, you know, our, our alumni, since we kind of really stress current information is if you are in a class and something's changed, maybe you've took on a new finance role, mm-hmm. you can come back and be in our class for free. You can come back, sit oh, in wow. on finance, see what we've changed, sit in on all those classes for free. So a benefit to our alumni is once you're in the community, we expect you to continue to learn. Yes. And we are going to provide that to you for free. You're not auditing a class at a cost. You're coming in, you're sitting in, and this is just the value you get because we believe in that mission so much. So yeah, you know, we're a graduate degree, you know, you're going to invest in yourself. Of course. Or your company is going to help invest, but it's not going to be this astronomical price that you might pay with some of our competitors. That's sure. really good to know. And I think people will appreciate that. Yeah. And, you know, you touched on reimbursement within our company. We actually had the president, he came up to me and we were in conversation. This was a while ago. And he said, you know, do you know anyone in our company who wants to, you know, further their education? Yeah. He's like, we have such a good reimbursement program, but no one's going back to school. And so, you know, I was kind of set at the task to go and ask people and drum up, you know, some information for them. But I say that to say, if there's anyone out there working for a company, a lot of HR departments and and bosses and supervisors don't, you know, make it a regular occurrence to come up and say, hey, do you want to go back to school? Here's your reimbursement program. So sometimes you just have to ask. And you'd be surprised that, you know, whether it's upfront or reimbursement, some of it's grade dependent, but... There's a lot of folks out there who really, you know, consider it important for their employees to continue education, continue learning, because it's investment in, in their company as well. So don't hesitate to ask people what the reimbursement program looks like or the further education program looks like from your HR department. Yeah, I think it's such a good point, too, especially for folks kind of who are in that kind of mid-level of their career, right? Yeah. It's important not to be afraid to ask, but it's also important to let people know that you want to be considered for like you are looking to further your education in energy specifically. And I think that that's raising your hand a little bit for some leadership opportunities, right? And it's a great way to kind of start that leadership conversation with your supervisor or the next level saying, I'm thinking about going back to get my degree for this because this is ultimately what I want to do. Like I want to invest in myself. And it really kind of helps you take your conversation to the next level and be recognized. You're saying, I'm doing a school project on this. I'd like to take a look at some of our asset valuation. Can I use this as an example? It's a great way to kind of get yourself recognized as well. Very good point. I want to take a, a pivot a little bit and and to talk more about just energy in general. Yeah. And so have you noticed sort of the in, transition in energy from, you know, like a recruiting or people coming into the program? Has that affected you guys at all? Yeah. You know, being here from the start has been fantastic. So I really get to see, one, where where our demographic started, where it's shifted and changed. And yeah, it has affected us. I mean, we certainly are, we feel downturns just as the industry feels downturns. Right. But it's also the mentality of the folks who are coming through as well has changed. And what I mean by that is we have folks who maybe have been in oil and gas their career, their family's been in oil and gas. It's been fantastic. It's something they want to stay in. They're so proud to work in, but they're interested in, in saying like, hey, I know the industry is shifting and changing. I want to make sure my skill sets shifts and change too. So I'm curious on the utility side, maybe how my skills transfer over or are there lessons learned that we have that I can share with this other part of the industry? Mm-hmm. And I'm really, we're really seeing that. And then just in my demographic of student, you know, that I had like the 70% oil and gas and it shifted to 50% oil and gas, it's shifted again. And yeah. so I'm still about, you know, 45% oil and gas, but I'm also getting a larger contingent come from power generation side of things. And that still includes a lot of folks from the nat gas side, from the coal side, 
but it's changing. Mm -hmm. You know, it certainly is, and how people are identifying themselves is changing. And so one of the things that we try to position ourselves as is saying we are developing energy professionals. And energy is an all-encompassing term because we're in this, what I'm calling a transition time. And to be clear, I don't think it's a transition from one fuel to the next. I'm saying right. we're in a transition in general. And our leaders that we're training right now are going to be figuring out what that means. And so I want to ensure that we're preparing folks with the skills, with the tools to figure out what this transition is and to help get us through to the next 50 years. What does energy look like in 2060? I don't know. Yeah. But the people we're educating today are going to be figuring that out. Right. So would you say that the GEM program is helping build a united front for oil and, and energy as a whole? Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, having an all energies program, what it allows us to do is, you know, oil and gas has figured out a lot of lessons learned, right? Yeah. And they're going to continue to innovate and make things better and cleaner and do things in a way that no other, you know, sector of the energy industry can do. But they're also educating a workforce that is also going to kind of transition a little bit over into other pieces of the industry as they figure out new technologies. And then however policy affects all of those things as well, right? Right. So I think, you know, we really try to help create, you know, it is an energy industry and energy is not just referring to oil and gas. Energy is not just referring to renewables or utilities or power generation. It is literally one industry. And I think bringing all those people into class together and not being able to bifurcate them out, they have to sit and have hard conversations and talk to each other and realize like, oh my gosh, there's so many lessons we can learn from each other is a huge piece of kind of moving the needle on kind of what energy looks like in the future. Yeah, no, that's certainly true. And I mean, one thing that just talking to, I was talking to a professor at LSU and mm -hmm. he's part of the petroleum engineering yeah. program and just talking to recent grads, petroleum engineers, and they're saying, you know, in the, the media does a great job of, of sort of, I wouldn't say tarnishing our industry, but for lack of better words, I use it. But, you know, a lot of schools are having a hard time gaining traction on the petroleum side. It's more, you know, more people are focusing on mechanical or, you know, chemical just because it kind of doesn't really pigeonhole you once you get yeah. out. But that's something I really like about your, your guys' program is, is it's energy in general. And so, of course, you know, like I think you said 45% maybe mm -hmm. is oil and gas, but it's for anyone in energy. And energy is such a broad industry, for lack of better terms. And so... Yeah, don't think it's, it, you know, if, if anyone's out there listening that may not be oil and gas, this is certainly something for you as well. So so don't think you need oil and gas experience only mm -hmm. to, to get into the program. So another question I had is, I don't know, I don't know, we might have touched on it, but what is yeah. the length, the overall length? If, oh, if you sure. start, then, you know, how long the program? Yeah, so I did not mention that. <laughs> <Kind of laughs> I didn't ask it, so it's, so I'm it's part actually to blame. 18 months. So, okay, so not do, long. No, so if you do the full master's, 18 months, and it's a quarter-based system. So not that bad. People are in Denver four days every three months, so on the quarter, literally on the business quarter yeah. over the weekend that they kind of come in. And so 18 months is a is a great way to no, there's a light at the end of the tunnel to get through. Because it is, you know, it is graduate level work. So it's about 20 hours a week worth of work okay. in addition to your full-time job and life. But again, you kind of build these great networks and just confidence with your uh, group and things like that to kind of get through that 18 months. Yeah. So what, so what does that look like? Like you're, there's a lot of internet based or like computer yeah. based stuff? Or? So the way it works after those four days, kind of that face to face time is what we call it. It's nine weeks online. So your instructor pre-records a lecture at okay. the beginning of the week. So it's asynchronous. So you don't have to be online at a specific time. And then you watch your video lecture and then there's group work. And so 
you're split up into groups of four. And so again, can be tricky with time zones sometimes. We have folks, you know, working offshore Mozambique, and then we have folks in Chile, Houston, but we use Zoom technology, which a lot of people use Zoom. We've been using it for years. So video technology for your group presentations, people can pre-record their sections. And then there's discussion boards, and there's also some individual work and projects as well. But group work's a big piece to kind of keep people connected as well. Gotcha. Are there a lot of tests? <laughs> Good question. <laughs> <laughs> That's a personal selfish so, question. It just depends. Like finance, yes, there are exams. Okay. <laughs> um, but some of your other ones are going to be more written-based, right? So you okay. kind of have to get back into what it means to write. Yeah. yeah. No, that's cool. And then so when a student graduates, the credentials is? Yeah, MS, Global Energy Management. So it's a master's of science. So usually my more engineering folks love the MS. For sure, yeah. <laughs> my folks who are saying like, should it be an MBA or should it not? It's like getting an MS in accounting, right? So MS in a business school means you're specialized. Very right? cool. So MS, master's of science in cool. global energy management. And that's something to look forward to. People take pride in that on LinkedIn yeah. as soon as they can slap oh, yeah. on an MS or an MBA or that's PhD right. or doctor onto that. That's PE or, yeah, 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 it's a big deal. But certainly there's a lot more to it than just that. So more on the personal side for yeah. you, what excites you most about, you know, what you do here yeah. at, for the GEM program? So I could talk on the energy side, but it's really about the people, let's yeah. be honest. The people are fantastic in energy. You know, I think about our students, which is funny because some of them are my age or older. <laughs> right. But they're doing fantastic things. And that's really what keeps me motivated and going every day is the industry is constantly changing. There's, you know, I'll see new offshore wind technologies that come out. And suddenly I have a, one of my former alumni writes me saying like, hey, I'm leading up the newest project that I just saw in the paper. That's incredible to me. Or, you know, the, the huge new find or play that happened. Wait, one of my students was there when that happened. I mean, it's just phenomenal to see who they are and where they are now. And I think... That's what kind of keeps me going and energized is I know I'm making an impact. Whether or not I'm teaching them or not, I'm mm -hmm. putting them in touch with each other where they started their business, which changed their whole life and career. Like I had some small part to play and that feels fantastic. So I feel like I'm making a difference both in the lives of people, but then also the industry as a whole. Yeah, no, I love it. Do you have any daily habits or routines that keep you focused and motivated? Man, I wish. I feel like I'm one of these people that gets so excited. I'm like a crow. I see something shiny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I don't want to go and work on it. Hey, maybe that's a strength. Um, you never know. Well, you know, I get you got to spin it that way. But, you know, just daily habits and stuff that kind of keep me focused is, you know, I do try to stay current on stuff, you know, so I'll get the McKenzie kind of insights and stuff that come out, kind of take a look at those, see what's new and relevant so I can ensure that, you know, we're, we're keeping up to date for our students and for our, our curriculum and content. Aside from that, I'm a, I'm a pretty easygoing kind of gal, yeah. so I don't like to keep it too stressful. Okay. Um, what about like, you know, before bed or when you get up, do you drink coffee from a certain cup or anything uh, kind of unique? Oh, anything fun like that? Yeah. Mm, not, well, I can walk my dog immediately when I get up. That's kind of like my go-to routine, you know? Hey, and that's that's Get routine. Petunia out the door and like, yeah. yeah. What kind of dog? She's a Blue Healer Border Collie mix. So. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even in the frigid airs of Colorado, she still likes going outside? She does. She does. Yeah. Most dogs do. But yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, she's, she's a happy dog. Yeah. But, you know, routine-wise, when it comes to work, you know, not every day is a new day, which is what probably keeps my job super exciting and cool. you know, ready to go. I can always shift and change. Personally, you know, I'm... I would say every Tuesday night I do a, a women's mountain bike ride if anybody's interested. Okay, that's um, cool. Speak a little bit on that. Yeah, so funny enough, I actually got that started with an alumni of my program. Okay. She's a geophysicist, actually, so okay. very scientifically based, but super fun. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, kind of a woman who ride. Run a women's mountain bike ride every Tuesday. Kind of, we either ride out in Golden. I live out in Golden. Okay. So we do just your chimney apex, North Table, Layer the Bear, stuff like that. So Good yeah, for you. big 
Big mountain biker. There you go. See, it's, yeah. it's starting to peel back the onion now. Oh, getting yeah, to you the get, truth. getting to know me a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's yeah. what people like. They like a, they you know they like a story and they like to see you know sure. who's behind the mic. So, have you always been into mountain biking or what? So probably past five or six years have been into mountain biking. Did road biking and stuff before that. Still do a couple of big charity rides like Courage Classic. If anybody does that, there's some great teams out there to ride those big mountain passes here. Got into mountain biking a little bit more. It's just. We enjoy being in the outdoors and it's a great way to access it, you know, get back further. You can ride. And we've done a couple of pack-in trips on mountain bikes, which is incredibly fun. Wow. My husband's a big cyclist and I used it as motivation. I recently had a little little one and okay. so they had a Yeti Betty ride, which was super fun. <laughs> yeah. So they had a first time mom's category. Super fun. Yes. Kind of get I me motivated it. to get back out there. But yeah, it's a great way to see Colorado and it's just such a fun thing. It's a hard workout. Yeah. You get to be in the beauty of nature. Yes. And you can enjoy a beer after. And that's pretty much the culture of mountain biking. So Hey, totally. It's funny, actually. So one of my customers in Houston came from Calgary and he's mm-hmm. a huge mountain biker. Mm-hmm. And he managed to find, you know, find some trails in Houston. And so, really, he, yeah, he's been inviting me out. It's it's definitely nothing like you would, you know, experience here. But yeah, even in Houston, there there's a little bit of a mountain mountain biking, you know, culture there. It's very wow. small, but he's been bugging me to get out. And similarly to you, I have a one year old and a yeah. four year old, so you know, busy with the kiddos. Yeah, yeah. But our daughter's now riding a bike, and so nice. I'm trying to get her to take the training wheels off, but she's a little, you know, she's a little hesitant. But we're yeah. getting there. Oh yeah, you got to do the strength. Strider. Yeah. Strider. Yes. yes. Yeah. We've seen that. So uh, yeah. But like I said, no, that's that's really cool. So if anyone's interested on that, I'll mm-hmm. put the link in the show notes. Oh, so you'll have to let me know what it is. But what was it called again? So I just do it Tuesday night, ladies who ride. So I was writing for okay. a team, but I can get it posted up. But yeah, literally yeah. mountain biking is pretty informal. You kind of just get on a text thread and you know, yeah. people are texting when they're riding and kind of get out there if you can. Cool. Well, anything like that I'll put in the, in the yeah. show notes if people just want to try and get out and do it, whether, whether it's that or something yep. else. Because again, maybe someone just moved to Denver and they have no idea. Right? And absolutely for women, especially. I think sometimes people are intimidated by mountain biking and it, it certainly isn't. There's a huge community of women that ride out here and I would just encourage folks to get out there and get on their bike. Cool. Well, on top of that, we'll obviously put links in the show notes for people who are interested about the program. So can you explain what the best way to, if someone's wanting to get started or get information, how do they go about doing that? Yeah. So a couple of ways you can check us out on our website, which is business.ucdenver.edu backslash G-E-M. Great way to do that. My contact info will be listed there. Obviously, I'm very accessible to all of our students, kind of a boutique program. So they can email me directly, Sarah.Durdowski. (laughs) <laughs> Good luck spelling. Right. We'll um, have it in the show notes. Uh, ucdenver.edu. But really, our website's the best place to go. There's a form there. Literally, you can click learn more. You'll get instantaneous information from us. Cool. We have a couple events coming up, too. You can always come and learn about us Perfect. at our events. And just people who are interested in general, we run a lot more than just our masters. We really are thought leaders and really strive to be what a public institution is supposed to be, which is this unbiased platform for discussion and conversation. And so we really strive to meet that mission by offering a lot of different types of events. So we also offer energy talk series, which is literally a capped group of 20 with a moderator. We have a theme and everybody gets to talk and have discussion and disagree, which is really kind of a fun thing to do. We offer fireside chat panels, which is now our podcast panels, which we run those quarterly. And then we also run some open house events um, where you can just come in and have a cocktail on us and kind of get to know some more folks in the industry. We bring in different associations, whether it's COGA, DPC, WEN, WOGA, 
Yoga, TCIA, COSEA, which are all these acronyms, which you all have, I know, in your industry, <laughs> which are different trade associations, right? So letting you know, like, what's out there and how to get involved. So Perfect. run lots of different things like that. And so we can put the link up there for some of the things we're doing. Yeah, we'll certainly have all that in the show notes because uh, it sounds like you guys are doing some really interesting stuff. I love what you're doing. You re-energize me to look back into things. So, <laughs> Maybe we'll uh, convince you, Justin. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Again, I yeah, I was a decent student. I, I found ways to pass, but the hard work ethic, you know, definitely overpowered my uh, my IQ with regards to school. So, anyway, enough about that. But before we close out, I'd like to take a few moments to tell everyone about our upcoming events. Hey, everybody! Alex here with the events on deck for February. We do not have any OGGN happy hours in February, but we do have an exciting event coming up in Pittsburgh. This will be our first happy hour there in March, and it will be taking place on March 25th. The location is to be determined, so be sure to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, or Twitter to keep up with uh, those announcements and to purchase tickets. The Houston API Luncheon will be on February 11th. This will be a networking event with top oil and gas business leaders. And they promise that you'll be learning something really cool. So check it out and sign up for that event. The Wildcatters Ball will be on February 7th in Houston. This ball is the primary oil and natural gas industry fundraising event for the IPAA Educational Foundation. Proceeds go toward funding the foundation's energy education programs. The API Energy Houston Three Gun Chapter will be on March 20th in Houston. This event fills up really quickly, so make sure to get your team entered. The best way to do so is to fax or email the form with at least a captain's name as soon as possible. If you need to wait for a check, just notate that on the bottom of the form and send it on. We will be sending Mark LaCour and Patrick Pister to Scotland, to Aberdeen, Scotland, on March 5th for DokuruCon, which is the first event of its kind. It is a conference for creating high impact sales in energy. And Mark and Patrick will be hosting a panel and recording a live podcast. If you're interested in attending this event, visit DokuruCon.Dokuru.com. And that is D-O-Q-A-R-U-C-O-N. That's all for this month. Thanks for tuning in and be sure to check again next month for more updates on OGGN events. Awesome. Thank you. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, come join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey. We do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. Hit me up on LinkedIn for more details. And if you're looking to get in shape over the winter, visit KTX Fit in Katy, Texas and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. Awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sarah. And we talked a little bit about how we could get people in touch with you, but is there any closing last words you'd like the folks to know about? I would just say if you're thinking about kind of taking those next steps, especially if you're in the oil and gas industry, you know, kind of take your career into your own hands Mm -hmm. and don't wait for folks, especially if there's a downturn. It's a great time for you to like invest in yourself and really look towards your future. Great. Well, thank you very much. And always remember, folks, when the density's up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks. Tune in next week for another captivating episode of Tendeka's Oil & Gas Onshore Podcast, a production of the Oil & Gas Global Network. Learn more at oilandgasglobalnetwork.com. 